You're listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Mod Advisor and are able to give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. It's going to be a great year in 2022 at Florida Risk Partners now that IPFS is in the game with their total pay strategy, we can write excess and surplus lines and completely remove the agency bill from our agency. People, if you're not using total pay by IPFS, you're definitely leaving money on the table. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Having partners like Mineral only bolsters the fact that your clients do not care about the insurance. It's all of the value that you're able to add. And with partners like Mineral who can help with both HR and environmental health and safety, we can't help but win. This is Power Producer Shop Talk. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Power Producers Shop Talk. We are back for episode two here with Ryan Deeds, just uncovering and chopping up everything we can about chat GPT. And my open-ended question that I'm interested to hear what Ryan has to say, because I've got some initial thoughts, but also will probably formulate more as I hear what he 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 says he's thinking about. What's the end game for chat GPT, man? Like, what are they doing with all of this information? Are they taking all of the questions that people are asking and using that somehow to show those trends to sell to advertisers and marketers? Or, I mean, I just, I don't even know There's so many things going in there. They've got to have an end game. I'm just trying to figure out what it is. So I think when you look at what the, I think, first of all, you know, in the previous episode, we had talked about other companies having AIs that were as capable as ChatGPT that we haven't seen. And I think why they held back was because if Google would have released an AI that was as capable as ChatGPT, people are going to freak out about what the evil empire of Google will do with this and all this. So you have this company, OpenAI, that's kind of a conglomerate investment vehicle for a multitude of these organizations, right? Elon's in it, Microsoft is in it, and then OpenAI releases it to the public. If the public hates it, they take the black eye, right? Nobody else does. So now what they've done is they've they've put it out to the public for free, got a lot of valid utilization of it. And what you see now is Microsoft coming out of the the shadows and saying, we have a $10 billion investment in this where we're going to start giving you API access on a paid basis to this technology through Azure, right? And so that ultimately from a monetization standpoint, ChatGPT will shut this down. They will charge for access and that, that's how they will make a ton of money off of this, right? What they're, what they, it's interesting. The model itself doesn't ingest new data at all. They actually have a cutoff date of 2021. So if you ask it about something that happened in 2022, it can, it will not know it. it, it there's no reference. And so as we type into it, 
it, what they tell you is that they are not collecting that. That is a private conversation that they have no ability to see that. Now, I don't know if I 100% believe that, but <laughs> they don't keep user states. So if you look at ChatGPT, when you go and talk to it today, it will only remember the things that you've had in one conversation with it. If you open a new chat window, it's brand spanking new. So if I explain in one window what Enable is and all the stuff that it does and all this, we can have mad conversations about it down that. But once I open up another chat window, it has no recollection or remembrance of any of that conversation that we had so whatsoever. So the questions and stuff, the feedback that we're putting in there right now are definitely not live feeding the model by any means. I can't imagine that the team is discarding that information, though, and they may very well use that information to feed that model going forward, you know. And I mean, and so that I, I think everybody's out to make some money, man. And this every company out there like out Microsoft's plan is I'm I'm putting ChatGPT and Outlook and Word and um, all of these uh, Excel, all these things. And you got to figure that that is a huge bonus and pretty much the death knell to corporate utilization of Google Docs, which is already kind of, I mean, which isn't used heavily anyways. But that's kind of where I see some of this stuff heading, right? All these integration partners are going to be leveraging it to up their game. And ChatGPT sitting in the background making money off those API calls and providing that service that's back there. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, not a tin hat wearing, you know, any of that. But I'm always a little bit leery when there's that much information changing hands. I always want to know what the end game is. What are you doing with this? I mean, and look, I don't have a problem with people selling data as long as they disclose they're doing it. Everybody does it right. But I'll give you an example. I was looking at making an investment in a company that has technology where you can scan a QR code and it'll auto it, like, it's just crazy stuff, right? If you scan the code, it automatically sent me everything in the contact record in your phone. I've got your phone number, your email, all of that stuff. Right. And really cool technology could see huge use case for it. If I just pop it up when I'm on the you know stage speaking at an event or whatever, I can immediately get people into my ecosystem. And so just like chat GPT. And a lot of people think I my, you know, my mouth's water and I'm, I'm licking my chops ready to go in and use this. And I demoed it on a Friday. And over the course of that weekend, I got blown up with phone calls and spam emails and all kinds of other stuff. And so I talked to the other people that were evaluating the investment with me and asked them and they all concurred. It was the, like all of us, none of and And I don't like my, my phone is filtered. Like I, if you get right. my cell phone, it's because I've given it to you. You're in my approved calls that I'll take list and all of this. So, and that has stopped a lot of the, the con, the incessant spamming. When I tell you it was bad, man, it was bad. And so that, that kind of has me jaded because I didn't ask. I didn't ask what the terms of service were, and I certainly didn't read them, right? Um, nobody ever does. <laughs> I, right, the, right. The, the, here's the thing, man. This is the funny thing about TOS on anything you use. If you're not going to agree to it, you're not going to use the product. So if you want to use the product, you have to agree to it. You know, right. don't, don't bitch about it after the fact. You had a choice to not use this. They told you what it was, and it goes back to being lazy. People didn't read what they were agreeing to, and then they complain about it after the fact. So I didn't read it, and I did complain about it after the fact, which means I should have read it, but it always concerns me when I see something that makes something so easy 
and it doesn't really cost money. Like where's the monetization piece, right? What's the real investment? Well, this, I mean, when you think about, like, I, I don't know that I've ever seen anything, like you said, go so crazy so early. So, you know, what they had to do was validate and prove out the concept was ready for consumer adoption, right? And that's mm -hmm. really what they did over this last couple of months. Um, and because they've now proven that out, they know that, hey, we have a market fit and the market is massive, right? We have the product, we have the market, and we have a fit for that. And now we have every technology company out there wanting to leverage our tech to be able to do this stuff. I mean, and so I, I think that it's free right now. They came out and announced down, you know, they said, hey, in a, in a little while, this won't be free. Um, and then they sent a survey out to users saying, what would you pay for this on a monthly basis? And I tell you, I mean, I'd pay a whole damn lot for it on a monthly basis. Um, if I couldn't code it myself, you know, if, if I yeah, well, think about how much time you save, man, your time's your money. And that's the whole thing, you know, with a producer, even though they may not have a salary or a high hourly rate based on what they see on their check, if you're a new producer trying to validate your time is more valuable than the guy that's getting paid, your exactly. head's on the chopping block, man. Yeah. You got to go out and make things happen or you're not going to have a job. So, you know, I, that's, that's where I see like just, just craziness. Uh, and, you know, I don't know what's the price point, nine ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine. 1999. I don't think it really matters what the price point is. If I pay, a, are, I'd, I'd pay $150 a month in a second. If, if yeah. I, because what that would do is that that would create a barrier to entry for so many people. And if I get nine months with this, I swear to God, if, if I had a year with chat GPT as my co-pilot across the board, that will give me five years on somebody because I luckily, I, think I so don't, too. I mean, and, and I just, you know, but I do think you're, you, you the, one of the things I don't like about it is give me an article about this or write an outline about this. Okay. Where did you get that information from? Cite the sources. Let me understand that. And it, it, there is no transparency there. I do feel like that will change over time as we drive for understanding of how you're putting this together, right? And I, how can I validate this more rapidly? Yeah, that, you know, and I, I'm sure people have done this. I haven't done it yet, but I will when we get off of recording here. I want to generate an article with it, copy it, paste it into Grammarly and let Gram Grammarly do its plagiarism check too and see what, what it comes back. What kind of a right. plagiarism score are we getting? It's not, I'm not talking about viewing it as whether or not it's AI content. You could actually get in real trouble over, over that, right? If it's going well, out, I mean, you. I assume what it's doing is it's like kind of taking a buffet approach based on how guys like me um, tag their their content and and put the keywords in and and all of that so that when you it's pulling keywords out of your question and then going in and um, just immediately searching the I don't know if it's searching but however it gets the information it's probably taking a little bit from here 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 cobbling it together in a logical format as best it can and pushing it back out I mean that's got to be where it's coming from it's not actually the the model that they've trained is it, it, the tech so the model's trained on something called prompts and answers and what they've done is they've loaded it with all the words in in you know the universe and given that that context then they say based on how close these words are together you know create these kind of contexts for it and that's what they've been doing over the last four or five years you know and then and then you can do it, it's because it's not based on, hey, it's answered this specific question. It's more, these are the components of the question. So it actually understands the intent. It's very good at understanding intent, which is kind of crazy to me. But I, I do think, you know, as 
there, the story here, my girlfriend kind of got screwed over, not screwed over. She did it to herself. She's in, she's working on her bachelor's for um, some judicial degree, right? Going for criminal justice. She works at a prison right now, full-time. So she comes home. It's late. There's a paper due tomorrow. She and I have been heavily invested in chat GPT. She hasn't traditionally just used it verbatim, but she was like, screw it. I'm just going to use it verbatim. She had it write an article, a 2000 word article for her based on these five cases. She took it Send it over. She got a zero on that assignment because the the, the play, she didn't do a plagiarism check beforehand. The professor did. It came back as thirty per, uh, like sixty five percent plagiarized. Wow! But she did not iterate because okay, what you can do obviously, and again, this is getting you know, th- it makes me scared when you're going to take raw content from ChatGPT and paste that out there. You know, especially on an initial run because most of the time you should be going in. And iterating over that, no, that's not correct. I don't like the the framing of that. Can we redo this? Can we, you know, and then really, like you said, take it to a Grammarly and edit, edit the hell out of it. You know, that then can, that then you've actually done something with and you're understanding the content that's put out. It's so easy. Just, I mean, I I went, because I want to do the test, created 15 articles on Medium about insurance agencies, verbatimly copied it over there by day two, the chat GPT was open. And I mean, they've done okay. You know, they've done okay. Yeah, I, you know, I just, I don't want somebody else writing for me anyhow. You know what I mean? It's like cheating in school. There, there's a big difference between cheating and collaboration, but I, I feel like, and, and somebody put this, it was JC Wagaman put it out on Twitter earlier this week in, in, in a couple other places in social. It said, when you cheat other people, when you cheat off of other people's work, when you're in, or when you copy your neighbor's work in school, it's considered cheating. When you copy your neighbor's work in, in, in the insurance world, it's considered collaborating, right? right. And there's, there's right. power in that. Right. And we have the ability to, to share what we, what we know, what we do freely to, to help other people. It, it's just kind of interesting. You know, you don't obviously want to cheat your way through school, but um, but you gotta be, you, you, know, you I, better, if you're writing content about a niche and how insurance supports that niche very rapidly, somebody's going to want to talk to you about that. And if you get on the phone and are uh, an idiot, you're screwed. There's no yeah, way it's, it's such a reputational risk to do that, that like the content that I generated was data analytics and insurance, right? So looking at it, I could validate and verify this information is factually correct. I mean, that's my space. And so I, I get very scared of that because I think it is an easy way to for somebody to throw up a blog post about, you know, construction risk in Florida and be completely they have no knowledge of what the hell they just put out there. So here's one. I'm producers. I swear to God, get your pen and paper out. I am fixing to give you one that will absolutely change the game for how you handle a first appointment. When you're going in to pitch somebody and you want to make sure you don't say anything stupid. I would love to ask chat GPT before every appointment uh, list the political contributions of so-and-so, right? Because it's going to go out and find that stuff. It's out there. I just normally do that by manually searching for it. And the reason why I do it is because I need to know, man. I need to know so that I behave myself, right? I don't want to say something one way or the other that could be misconstrued. And 
Look, it's a pretty well-known fact. I drive a pickup truck with an American flag on the back, and it's got some language from the Second Amendment on it. Truthfully, didn't even realize the Second Amendment language was on there, but it's a really nice risk management tool because people don't screw with me in traffic, right? <laughs> so, but I mean, if I'm going to go to a place that, you know, is more, um, you know, Democratic-leaning, probably don't want to drive my truck there, right? Even right. though... Even even though, you know, I'm an open minded person can certainly have rational conversations without getting heated up, you know, and all of that. It's just the general perception, man. And so I always like to know what are the types of charitable contributions? What are the types of of um, of of religious contributions? What are the type of political contributions? Because it gives you an idea of who who the person is that you're going to be meeting with in the culture of the company. And you can use that to your benefit in a sales conversation by a avoiding the things that you don't want to talk about, but b highlighting the things that you know you can talk about. And a big one is is honestly the charitable stuff, right? You could just walk in and say, "Hey, I noticed you guys are heavily involved with such and such. I want to let you know I have a friend that uh, actually had to use the service that they provide, and it was like make a wish or whatever. It's absolutely amazing what they did for him, and you talk to him about it." you're bringing down the guard. It's not even insurance related conversation. And so my opinion is, and it's going to sound wild because we talk about using, um, using technology to enhance the human experience. But I think this is an example of that, um, you know, where you're using technology to enhance the human experience of interacting with a producer that's more educated with information about the buyer than they normally would be because they're not going to take the time to go to that depth in their research. No doubt about it. I mean, you know, I think that, the, the, you know, the other accelerant here is like you said with the TOSs, you never go read the TOSs, but you could paste TOSs in there and summarize. You can paste articles about that company and summarize. You could, you know, as you're looking at competitive uh, analysis on an, an opportunity, you want to be as armed as possible. So you can bring out those qualities that you have that that bring connection to that. Right. And the, And I think using this tool can help you find those in a multitude of ways. Absolutely. So how quick's the insurance industry going to be to adopt this, right? So here we are. We're talking about cutting edge technology, super hyped up right now. And we're in an industry that typically moves at a snail's pace to adopt stuff. Now, I'm not talking about individuals inside the industry doing that, you know, adopting the the technology and using it to their advantage. I'm talking about the industry as a whole. Like how quick are we going to move to start actually putting some faith in this tech? So, I mean, okay, well, you have to understand certain capabilities. So one of the capabilities that ChatGPT, and really it's not ChatGPT, ChatGPT is a iteration of the dolly of the da vinci 3.5 engine that they've hyper trained right so it's their own like model but dave carruthers could go out and get a model of of, of chat gpt kind of actually gpt3 da vinci 3.0 but you can get that and you can train that model and so what we're seeing the largest agencies do right now they already have somebody who's working on training that model they're, they're looking at figuring out how do they train it? What can they train it on? You know, where does it fit? Can I put all the legal shit into this and then ask questions? Does this, def- does, if I do this, do I get in trouble here? What states is that? And so, and then that would be hella legitimate because it's being fed from known source. 
Well, especially think about it. Workers comp, man, right? Workers comp having being statutory, but every state has its own statutes. That's a huge thing. And honestly, Kevin Ring would appreciate me doing that because then I wouldn't have to call him and bug him anytime I have a question. And and I mean, and so that's right now, right now, though, every large broker that I've talked to and there's been seven in the top 10 that I've talked to that are working on this right now. They have team a team dedicated to figuring out how do we take this tech, load it with our information and provide wide and broad access across the enterprise. I don't think that this is going to take, I, what I think is going to be scary is you're not going to know. You're not going to know the agencies that are using this because they're not going to be all out, out in front saying, hey, we're doing all this with this. They're just going to start really kicking ass and taking names in different ways. And, but because it is so available, because you can go right now and start messing with it. I think the shadow IT movement of agencies, you know, especially for producers um, and some executives will help drive some of this stuff. But the CIOs of each one of those large organizations, they're there because obviously their CEOs are like, dude, we've got. 5,000 employees, if we could get 10% more productivity and make it a better experience for them, look at what that does. Hell yeah. And so I think you're going to see that pretty rapidly, brother. So here's, (laughs) let's, let's talk a little bit about the devious side for a very brief moment. Think about the possibilities with chat GPT and 3D printers. Oh yeah. You want to short circuit people? I mean, And I also think it's a security concern and something we need to be aware of because you can create all kinds of stuff. But I also see um, really, really positive applications for it. Yeah, it's, you know, in in terms of like good or bad, right? A tool you use for good or bad. Well, yeah, it's like a hammer. You You can kill somebody with it or you can build a house. It's going to be the user who decides it. But, I, you know. I, I don't know enough about 3D printing in, in the, the way that people are doing it, but I know that I have friends that are able to print parts that they need for things and everything oh, else. Yeah. So imagine if you have something break, you don't know, you don't necessarily know how to fix it or or to get the replacement part. And you can ask chat GPT for the instructions on how to do it or some code or whatever that it can send to your printer. And the next thing you know, your printer is printing exactly what you need based on those specs and you take it out and you're back up and running again. I mean, that's another huge oh, potential, you, you know, use for it. When I saw this, the, the lawyer thing was interesting. So a, a company, a law firm took chat GPT, loaded it with all of its stuff, trained the model. Then they said, Hey, look, let us go and argue a case at the Supreme court with one of our lawyers with the headset in and everything that is said, you know, we will take and we will reply via AI course it was kind of a hyped up thing because supreme court would never allow that but i do believe like in in uh, cases like that where you have taken that model yourself and filled it with your information that you know is great and now access is conversational as hell that is where the power of this comes from that is where you lose the the, i'm worried about validity i'm worried about this because you fed this thing and Mm. it does have certain protections i mean you can get around certain protections but you know if you just went and said hey how do i make meth it automatically says hey we don't do that right (laughs) yeah well 
or like when you cuss at Siri and she she tells you you have bad manners or whatever. Right. I mean, then then the kids cuss at her intentionally just because they know that she doesn't like it. But no, I mean, I think that's a good point too. Is is, is being able to block stuff like that. I look at it as, you know, we've got the web, we've got the dark web. You know, we have Chat right. GPT. Will we at some point have dark Chat GPT? Yes, where, absolutely. You know, <laughs> yes, 100%. Because think about it. I mean, Chat GPT came out with a kind of a socially conscious thing, uh, you know, saying, hey, we're going to block this stuff. There's going to be a ton of companies that now feel th- that now will come out with similar capabilities that don't block that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, chat like you, it's hard. It's a very positive machine. Like when you talk about conflict, write me a story about two guys that have conflict at the end of that, they'll be friends. Like it'll write out conflict. And then it'll actually say, bah, they found even ground and shook hands and gave each other a hug. And it's always like putting it in the most positive context. The, the tools that we're going to see proliferate over the next couple of years, I don't think are going to be, uh, there's going to be a lot of options where you can have much build me a bomb like McVeigh did. Right. What do I need mm. to do? Yeah. And yeah. that's where, yeah, man, you, you've got to be kind of like it. There is a scary component that's very real to this technology, but you don't want to stick your head in the sand. You want to at least understand it because I do think that what happened is a pivotal shift um, just because of the day-to-day usage of it. What's a chicken noodle? I got eggs and ham in my refrigerator. What can I make with it, man? And so I do. That's I, exactly what I was thinking. If Chat GPT could just tell me what I'm having for dinner tonight, every night, yeah, I'm saving a ton of time arguing with my wife. Yeah, no, I mean, and so again, it's it's more the closer you have it to you, the more you can use it and play with it, and the more you'll understand where it fits with you. You know, if you just use it for an hour, then it's going to be a much different scenario. I mean, and so yeah, that's kind of where so I. So let think me that. ask you this, brother: you got time for one more? If we yeah, go for ten or fifteen? Yeah, I want to talk TikTok though, bro. Okay, let's do it. And I, 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 there's, well, we may do two more then, but I've got, I've got an actual question that I think everybody will come to at some point. And so maybe it's just a shorter version of Shop Talk on the next one. I have a feeling we'll talk a little more. So everybody, he is Ryan Deeds from Enable. He is a product owner of Enable, Enable, and they will be changing the game for agents across the country. I am sales. Are you really? I closed 25 agencies last year. At a boy. At a boy. Well, yeah. I mean, originally your LinkedIn said product owner. So I never it was, even looked it was. up. So for so. the first year, for the first year, I was a product owner. And then because of my ability to to help articulate the value proposition of value of data, you know, it went that way. And so yeah, man, I mean good for you. I did man. About, I, I I my average account size was about fifty thousand dollars in revenue. Like that was the for is for our sales, right? So the agency size was fifty million in revenue. That was my average on twenty. Good for you, man. Five agencies. That was cool. It was awesome. One day I want to be like Deeds, man. He's calling on the whales at this point. So we're gonna come back because I've got a really interesting question. We'll catch you guys next time. been listening to power producers shop talk you can follow us at the power producers podcast on facebook and instagram and if you want to take your game to the next level check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book the extra two minutes